Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, coming to you from our winter home in Marathon, Florida. We are in the Keys for three months. I am beyond excited. This is actually my first day working from a, a good holiday break, and I have a really fantastic interview ready for you right now. Lucas Root, he's a speaker and author. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, for over 17 years, he led numerous teams on Wall Street, and then after establishing a consistent track record of success, he started his own consulting business. And sure, why not? That's what we all do, right? Um, Lucas works with strong brands with a well-funded um, great idea, but they don't know quite how to execute it. Um, since early 2019, Lucas has had the wonderful opportunity to speak to numerous audiences in North America, Australia, and Europe, as well as partner with both businesses and VCs for mentoring. Um, Lucas, how are you doing today? I am doing really well today, Jim. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Not um, as well as you, though. <laughs> well, it's all relative, believe me. Yeah. You know, when you fill up your car, you probably put, what, 20, 30 gallons. I put 580 gallons of diesel. So it's a, it's a little, it's an eye opener. But then again, there's trade-offs. I don't, I don't have a mortgage and I don't have to cut lawns right now. So mm -hmm. life is trade-off. But um, yeah, so, you know, I, I get pitched probably um, at least a, once or twice a day. So what, five or 10 times a week I have... Um, I have one sheets come across my desk and I've become really good in nine years of seeing who I think would be a great guest for my very dedicated audience. And, and um, yeah, your, your one sheet caught my attention, Lucas. I like, first of all, your the picture. I mean, I'm just asking, are you uh, what in your late thirties, early forties? I, I am. I, I turned 40 a month ago. <laughs> well, that's pretty good with that, but it, I, I love people who, you know, I waited until a little bit later in life when um, kind of started my entrepreneurial journey, but um, what made you want to leave, you know, a successful career in uh, finance and then just break out on your own? Mm, a good story. So um, I had what, what a, a coach friend of mine likes to call an, a big black SUV moment. Now, in, in my case, it was not a big black SUV that hit me, but you know, it, it was one of those moments. Um, I was sitting down for my anniversary dinner with my wife um, in 2014, so seven years ago now, and she looked across the table with all the love in her heart, and we are still married, so I felt that love, and she mm -hmm. said to me, you look like death. Um, and that was, I mean, that really, it was, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit me like a big black SUV. Um, like I was doing something wrong, whatever it was, I was doing something wrong and I needed to make some changes. Cause I can't have my wife telling me I look like death. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you have children? Uh, we don't have children. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. A really good friend of mine who's also, um, built a successful business, uh, about 10 years ago, we were having a real heart to heart talk. And I, I'm going to borrow your phrase now, the big black SUV, because it really and he was in that similar way. And I, and I said, isn't it, isn't it interesting, especially and I'm, I'm sure it's 
similar for women, but I think for men, you just bury yourself in your job. Mm -hmm. And when things start going bad, whether it's your health, your weight or whatever it's, or your marriage, whatever it's going to be, it's like, I'm doing it for the family or I'm doing it for you. And in reality, I think we're just, we get really hooked on, um, whether it's ego, we get hooked on momentum, adrenaline, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff. And, and the routine. I mean, you know, we, we just get into the, as you said, the momentum of it and we let it carry us forward. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, it, one of the things I love about doing this podcast, that's why I've been doing it for nine years. I never know where it's going to go, but I, I know it's going to be an awesome conversation. I can tell already even from our <laughs> two minute free chat. But what's interesting to me is that um, when people set goals, uh, whether you had a career goal or, and then, you know, as, as you become an entrepreneur, you set an entrepreneurial goal. And when we, it seems like, Oh, if I ever hit that, that'll be like, you know, Nirvana, that'll be amazing. And then you hit it and you go right for another one and you never stop to think about. And it was really, um, a, a mentor of mine who many years ago, when I was hadn't even bought my first boat yet, he goes, is that, so that's just going to be something you talk about forever, right? You're never going to pull the trigger because you're way past <laughs> where you, where you said you would need to do it. Right. And he really kind of put my, the mirror to my face and said, wow, I'm either a wuss or I'm going to actually pull the trigger and buy a boat. Right. So it's interesting. Well, you can always count on your wife for being honest, right? Yeah. Thankfully. Yes, I can. So how long after that dinner uh, on your anniversary, did you decide to make a, a career change? pretty big one immediately um i i didn't know what the change was going to be but that that really i mean we we spent that dinner talking about what change need, could happen what was possible what we were prepared for um i mean instead of talking about our relationship well that is talking about our relationship sure so, and and that was the conversation and and um the first and easiest option was for me to launch my consulting business um which i did uh, it took some time to put the pieces in place, save up a little bit. So we had some savings account to, to, you know, support launching a business, which mm -hmm. we all know is not cheap and not easy. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, we, we, we started immediately. I can't, I mean, that really was, it, it wasn't a moment where I look back and I say, I wish I'd figured it out then instead of a year later. No, I mean, that was it. <laughs> Well, you know, we all have to be in a certain place in our lives, I think, lives and careers. Geez, I hope the mic isn't picking up that barking dog because <laughs> I left the door open. But, um, you know, when when things happen but and you go, well, I wonder why I didn't do that sooner. Well, because you weren't ready. You either weren't ready mentally or physically or at a certain place in your life. I think the experience level, I think of all the things that I'm doing now with my coaching business and everything that I did for the first 30 years of my career brought me to this point. So saying I should have done it when I was 30 it wasn't really reality mm, well put yeah exactly um so, um, so, I'm, so i was ready lucas i'm curious when um when you made the decision to uh start a consultancy did you recognize uh do you know what your gift is i think everybody has a a, a god-given gift or skill or talent we, we can do lots of things but there's one thing we're really good at usually did you know what that was for yourself i did um and and in hindsight, I was right, but I didn't know how to talk about it. Okay, <laughs> which is not even necessarily marketing. I I didn't know what the words were to describe what it was that I did. I I didn't know how people were going to use it. Mm. Um, I I can put together uh, the the pieces of an ongoing storyline, um, 
which allows me to see um, the probabilistic future um, really, really well. <laughs> so I, I can go see into, that. Go, I need to have a little bit more on that. Talk, talk about what that means. Yeah, um, I call it strategy. Okay. Um, that's what I call it, but that's not really a good word for it. it it's, I, I run concurrent storylines in my mind all the time, storylines about what's about to happen. I think everyone does this. I don't think I'm special in that. But I do 10 or 15 different scenarios about what's about to happen all, all the time concurrently. I can't turn it off. And, and it allows me to see what's going to happen next and pick which one makes the most sense. And, and in a very real sense, it's kind of like seeing the future. It is not. I, don't, I am not prescient. But, but I'm really good at seeing how the story is going to unfold. Um, you know, I have a, sorry to interrupt you. I have a buddy who's been in um, the finance world his whole life, kind of mutual fund area. And he, he sometimes talks like that, where he's, he knows where we are, like right now, kind of sees where we've been in the recent past. And then he's looking forward, running these different scenarios. Is that, did you do something similar in, when you were in finance? I did not. Um, okay. I was, uh, I was the operations guy, um, again, operations strategy on the back end of mergers and acquisitions. So, you know, you, the, the captains of finance out there put, put together a deal. They, they bring two companies together and then they need somebody to execute that. Okay. And I was the guy. Um, and I was very good at it in part because of this, you know, I could go look at two different business units that are doing the same thing, but arrived there for different reasons. And they have a different story about why they are who they are and why they do it. And I could see how those pieces were going to mesh and not mesh um, and very effectively choose the, the players, the systems, the tools, the processes that needed to survive the merger in order for that merged company to be a success. That's pretty cool. I'm going to, I'm going to, share something with you. I was almost going to share it with you uh, when we're done, but I'm going to share it live because I think it's pretty cool. You know, when you told me that you're running these concurrent storylines um, uh, as a coach, this is kind of what I do. I'm looking for the sweet spot. So I'm going to give you, mm -hmm. if, if you don't mind, I'll put my coaching hat on, take my interview hat off. Yes, <laughs> you know, um, what you do, what you do, I'm thinking for clients, or this is a really good way for you to help package what you do. It's called your chosen path, right? Mm -hmm. And it's executing your plan, your way at your time. And some way you want to make, you want to make uh, in, in that tagline, that kind of phrase, how there are two or three different paths we can usually take, whether we're executing an idea, growing a business. And, and I think that if you're a visionary, you're going to help choose, you're going to help them select which one is best before they put the hammer down. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Wow. Your chosen path. So anyway, you, you can have that. <laughs> what do I do with it? That's totally up to you. But I think that's um, I think so many entrepreneurs are looking for that kind of crystal ball guidance, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, and that's the reason why I moved into, you know, coaching, mentoring, speaking, working with people like you, um, talking to audiences, because the consulting work that I do is wonderful. I, I serve some amazing clients like the Pokemon company um, who picked me up as soon as I hung up my, my shingle, um, which was great. I, 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 I can't tell you how amazing it is to have a big client pick you up as soon as you hang up your shingle. Wow. Was that from a relationship? How did that happen? 
It was. I I had met a. Um, it, it was a confluence of of luck. Uh, not the kind of luck that's dumb luck, the kind of luck that is opportunity meets preparation. Gotcha. Which um, is the best kind of luck. <laughs> it is the best kind of luck because it's sort of repeatable. Yep. Um, I, I, I knew, uh, I knew one of the directors at Pokemon and, and he and I still know each other well. Um, and the Pokemon company in 2015, right. The year before Pokemon go launched, so I didn't know about Pokemon Go, but the year before it launched, they knew they were playing with something huge while they were developing Pokemon Go. Turns out they were right. And they needed somebody like me to help them execute all of the stuff that needed to go along with that in order for them to be able to make all that they made when it went live. Right. And so they put out the call across their entire network, all the directors, all the executives, Call up everyone you know who who thinks that they're good at strategy. We're going to talk to every single one of them because we need somebody to come help. Um, and I was hanging up my shingle, so I was in a position where I could say yes. And I was one of the calls, only one of, but I was one of the calls that they made. Wow, was that a was that a? Um, I don't mean large gig in terms of numbers, but did they want a lot of your time, a little bit of your time? Initially, no. Um, I, I don't mind sharing the numbers. My, my first year with them, I made $8,000. So I dipped into my savings very deeply. Right. Um, but that's okay, because they became an anchor client, an anchor client, both in name and the credibility that they lend. Um, and so they brought in other clients for me. You know, they didn't, but, but their name did. Um, right. And then their engagement with me grew They're They're now to the point where they would take full time from me if I would give it. Wow. Um, so you wrote a book. I saw you have a book on Amazon called strategy guide to thrive failing forward. And I was checking out your website. Also, you, saw, you talk about failing, not being a bad thing. Can you share a little bit about that, Lucas? Absolutely. Um, I, I sort of have a love affair with failure. Uh, and, and I do mean to say it that way, uh, you know, the, the more that I grow into myself, the more I recognize that the process of becoming who I am at any given moment required me to fall on my face a whole bunch of times. And all of the things that I think of as valuable today are the result of allowing myself to fall on my face. I mean, that in some cases, very literally, um, over and over and over again in the process of learning how to not fall on my face in that circumstance, in that scenario. Wow. So I, I meditate on the, you know, on the sort of motion picture of a baby learning to walk. And, and I try to treat every scenario where I'm not sure what the outcome is exactly like that. You know, a baby grabs onto the couch or the coffee table and pulls themselves up and then they fall on their butt and they promptly let out a wail of, of dissatisfaction because it didn't work. And within a minute, they're trying again. And they, which, which is very representative of the entrepreneurial journey. Is it not? It is. It is. And I think that I think me personally, I think that the more entrepreneurs are comfortable with embodying that baby in the best sense of the word, someone who knows that they don't know the path forward and they know that they're in the process of figuring it out and they're comfortable with that. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I've written six books. My sixth book was called Just Say Yes. And in there, one of the chapters is growing a business with childlike, I forget, abandonment. or I forget the exact phrase, which you think I wouldn't. But anyway, um, but it's funny how children, uh, they have no fear. You know, it's like the five-year-old with his buddy up on top of the garage. They're going to hold their cape and fly, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and they'll learn to do that only once because they won't fly but it's like how come how come as adults whether you're 30s or 40s and i think it gradually i think the door gradually closes on your on your level of courage or guts or or you know chutzpah whatever when you when you're trying out something because i think we acquire a certain amount of comfort level and and this is what I see. And I think entrepreneurs, they, I want to grow, but I'm not going to risk what I have here. So keep this away and let's just use this to grow. And it's like, it, it's usually all or nothing balls to the wall. You know, Katie bar the door is how you grow successful businesses. So um, <laughs> right. exactly. And, uh, and failure is part of it. It's that's just part of the deal. Yep. Yep. You, you can't, you can't put your wheels on the ground until you're at rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, uh, in your book, uh, there's a few different chapters, uh, product market fit, poor planning, core team breakdown, poor execution, et cetera. Is, are they all like equal parts of what's either going to help you succeed or fail? Or is there one of those that you've seen that really needs special attention? Um, I would consider them to be equal parts, but, but there is special attention outside of that. That's, that's worthy of note. Um, okay. I think most entrepreneurs are not honest with themselves when they fail. Um, and I think that's a really important thing to open up. Entrepreneurs fail and, and on the other end of that, and people say, what happened? What went wrong? And, and a, lot of, a lot of times, and I, you know, I look at the data every year, um, and a lot of times they say product market fit. A lot of times they say we, we launched a product, it was really cool, uh, it didn't get sales. Um, we failed because of product market fit. And I don't agree. What's your thoughts? Yeah. Um, And for those of you who have been through this, please try to keep an open mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that it was uh, was a function of poor planning Um, for two reasons. Number one, you know what your product market fit is going to be if you're doing things right very early in the process. And by that, I mean, you're going to launch an MVP as quickly as you possibly can and go out and start building a market for that MVP as quickly as you possibly can. And that should not bankrupt you. There aren't very many products that cost millions of dollars to launch an MVP and get into the hands of a small audience. Hmm. And so with good planning, you should have the finances set aside to be able to do that. Launch an MVP, start build an audience, start to get feedback from that audience, from your customers, from the people who actually care about whether or not this product succeeds so that when you actually move into your you know, golden ticket version one, it's not the MVP, it's your 1.0, right? Right. You already know whether or not there's a market. You already know what that product needs to be. You know what the price point needs to be. You figured all this stuff out during your MVP testing. So this is a planning issue, not really a there wasn't a market issue. Um, so have you ever heard of uh, Gary Halpert, great copywriter? Yeah, of course. 
So he has a thing which I think mirrors exactly what you're talking about. He he would describe that as concert pitch. So I heard him speak to a um, heard him speak to a group of uh, I think uh, furniture store owners, if I'm not mistaken. It's a long time ago, but he's saying, listen, if you can't do it all, so you have to, you're going to be the best salesman you have, and then you need to train somebody to take over, and then that trainer will train others. But here's how you do it, he said you get on the phone and sell or whatever you're going to do and you record yourself. And it's, it's almost like a professional singer when they practice and practice and practice, eventually they hit what they call concert pitch. It's perfect. It's ready for an audience. When you do that, whether it's in sales or whatever, you record that, that becomes the training. So that's concert pitch. So it sounds very similar to what you're, what you're talking about there. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I was we got about uh, three to three to five minutes here, real quick. I was looking on your website, Lucas, uh, lucasroot.com, and you have a course, uh, working from home mastery course. Now, did you work from home in finance, or um, did is this from mastering working from home once you launch your consultancy, or talk about your program a little bit? Yeah, all of the above. Um, okay, you know, I as a sort of operations strategist, back-end guy who's watching thousands and thousands of jobs um, either be created or be destroyed uh, as a result of big mergers, right? Um, one of the things that I caught a lot of is people would go out and do a, a really hard four days of work. And you, if you asked me, right, my direct reports, somebody who does four days of hard work, 10, 12-hour days, and then just says, I'm taking a flex day on Friday, you know, I'll, I'll answer urgent emails and otherwise I'm going to be offline. I would have no problem, really, truly no problem with that. Any of my team that did that, I'm, I'm a hundred percent behind them, um, all the way, mm -hmm. but in other teams, I wouldn't see that. I would see, um, I'm working from home and they meant the same thing. They meant they're taking a flex day, but they said they were working from home. So, um, I started wondering, is this going to start causing a problem for real working from home. I mean, real working from home. Right. And so, I, I, um, and this is early, you know, 2010, 2011. Um, I started encouraging my team to work, to actually work from home because I trusted them. They were fucking fantastic. Oops. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it, and, and I wanted to start seeing how the image of working from home affected my team that is really, truly productive, hardworking, amazing people that are actually working from home. And it turned out that, that the image stuck. Everybody who was on my team working from home, everybody who was interacting with them just assumed that they were not actually working and they were sitting at home. Um, in 2012, I got uh, the worst case of poison ivy ever. I, I mean, truly the worst case of poison ivy ever, head to toe, bottom to top, there wasn't a, a square inch of my skin that wasn't itchy. And I was home for two and a half months. Mm. And I went from a scenario where I knew exactly how to structure my day to when I was working from home, I still needed to get the same amount of work done, but I didn't know how to structure my day anymore. Now, we talked about sort of my superpower, I could see how this was going to play out. And I said, I'm, I know which of these paths I want to pick. I want to pick the one where in two and a half months when I can go back to work, 
I still have a job. I still have a place to sit. I still have people that respect the work that I do and want to be continue working with me. And so I had to rebuild my structure, my framework for my day, something that you probably are very familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to rebuild it entirely from scratch, not because I wanted to be more productive, but because I had moved out of the framework of being in the office. And that was providing that external structure that um, it turns out is very valuable. Everybody wants to get out of the office until they're out of the office and they realize, wait a minute, I'm missing something. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So um, I'd love to keep going, but uh, the clock dictates all. Lucas, how can, well, I get, kind of gave the website if there's a better one, or we'll just reiterate that, lucasroot.com. And, and any other way you want to uh, share yourself with the audience, please do that. Yeah. Uh, lucasroot.com. I'm very active on Instagram. You can find me at, at lukeroot, L-U-C-R-O-O-T only because at Lucas Root was taken when I signed up years ago. <laughs> that was my problem. Jim Palmer seems to be some old Baltimore Orioles pitcher. So <laughs> I, that, all that URL was gone too. So, all right. So Lucas Get that bomb out. He's out. You're in. He's out. He's old news, right? <laughs> LucasRoot.com and at Luke Root on uh, Instagram. Sound yep. good? Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. Lucas, thank you so much for being my guest today on, on Dream Business Radio. I greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview, the first one of 2022, ooh, baby, with Lucas Root. And again, connect with him at lucasroot.com. Connect with me at getjimpalmer.com, getjimpalmer.com. If you're interested in the Dream Business Mastermind Coaching Program, that is Dream Biz Coaching, dreambizcoaching.com. But until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free dream business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.